Pelotero Pickle episode 54. Chris and I get do a deep dive into some hitting stuff, talking about what we think about getting in the box. Tom House has a great tweet about coaching and Miguel Cabrera's 500th homer. Let's check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 54. I was just trying to think of somebody famous who wore that jersey number. And I got nothing. Horace Grant, maybe? What number does he wear? Yeah. Uh, that was good. Horace Grant. Eddie Bruski. Eddie Bruski. Urlacher. A lot of football guys. It's a 50. big football number. Yeah. Anyway, episode 54. Pelotero Pickle is one year yeah. old. Chris, we did it. We survived a year. Pro- uh, Producer Patrick, we did it. A year. It's fantastic. Newborn baby. Consistency is key. Uh, just a reminder. We've been flooded with emails. It says my connection's unstable. Now it's maybe good. Just a reminder, we've been flooded with emails at pickle at pelotero.com. And we've gotten tweets at Pelotero Pickle. Send us your questions, requests, content ideas, etc. And we'll get to them. Love hearing from you. Love our fans. Chris, how are you doing today? Good, Bobby. How are you? Doing good. Big day today. We got a... Uh, we got release day. It's, we had a call with Hitrax earlier, and this was dubbed Pelotero Day at Hitrax. So that's pretty cool. Been, uh, what, 18, 20 months in the making to get yeah, to today? It's been a long time. Cool. Eight to 20 months plus like our whole lives in terms of knowledge and what we built into this thing. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. What's, what, uh, what are you most excited about with release? I think it's just a, a general desire to be able to help people more than anything else the i'm I'm, i I would say i'm more unfamiliar with people's style of of coaching than probably you are or how the coaching at the the amateur level happens certainly that's not to say that i'm not in a cage but i i would really like to watch and understand better how people interact with their players because for me, the ability to interact with players is probably the most important thing we do, right? Just from a, a personal standpoint, bridging a gap of trust with athletes. And I think the part that I'm most excited about is that we, we're able to kind of take the, the non-intimate stuff out and do it for them, meaning we're thinking about programming, we're thinking about tracking the data, understanding how the data can drive the programming and really allow for coaches to, to, to build better relationships with their players. So um, I know that's kind of probably cheesy and a little bit, um, I, I don't know the right word to describe it, but certainly I think that's, that's a piece for me, just allowing people to build better relationships. Cause at the end of the day, that's, that's what we need as hitters. I think it, it, it having someone in your life that you can rely on and trust as a, uh, kind of a, a reference point is really important. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I think that's a nice, authentic answer. It's, well, uh, you know, we, we talked about, we've, we've talked so much about automating things and making it faster and making it more efficient, but ultimately the end goal for the the coaches to be able to help more players and, and be able to help them perform better. This is, we're really about the athlete. So being able to, being able to deliver, custom programming faster in a scalable way where the coach can, like you said, spend more time 
focused on relationship with the player, building trust with the player and implementing stuff and helping them be more confident. That's, that's really the ultimate goal here. Like the programming is a piece that allows all that to happen. Yes. No reaction. No reaction. Yeah. I was like, just, it was just staring at me because I could see the, uh, the yellow box around my head and I was waiting for you to. Yes. No, I went with yes. That was the only, I, I mean, yes. I was, I was patiently trying to check a text message from my wife that I got there and the box was just on my head. You didn't say anything. Well, also I wanted to point out, uh, in this moment, cause we always intro the show with, uh, the email address that we get a lot of love on the emails, but I think people hit us up on Twitter too. I think I saw something on Twitter saying, asking questions about stuff to talk about. So we're going to make sure we throw those in there too. Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll do that in the post show. There's yeah. a lot of people asking about Yelich. People want to know about Yelich. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there. That's yeah. post shows, post show territory. Yeah. Uh, first topic. I, uh, it's about me. I was a guest on the, Oh, the it's about you. Uh, I don't, I don't make the production notes. I just read them. So uh, New England Baseball Journal, uh, really cool publication up in the Northeast uh, in New England, I should say. All Same about, thing. yeah, all about baseball stuff. It's a really like cool niche style production. And I was a, a guest on their podcast last week. Got to talk about just kind of my, my past, how, how I got into hitting, just the whole detail stuff. It was fun. I haven't really told those stories in a while and it was cool to uh, kind of rehash the Albert pool story. Talk about technology. It was funny. One of the questions I asked was like, how much did you invest in all this tech? And, you know, I, I've really tried to get my hands on to use, to experience as much tech as possible. If I can't afford it, I try to use it. I try to talk to other people that have tried it. Uh, if the technology works as it's supposed to, then it's a good investment and you make money on it. Uh, if it doesn't, then you either sell it or you give it base, you return it because it's not a good investment. Um, and there's been a fair share of those. I use the term everyday tech. And I think that's for Pelotero and what we're trying to do. We need to use technology that's useful to athletes as frequently as possible. And there's some technology that you should use every day. There's some tech that you don't need to use every day. Maybe it's monthly. And there's some stuff that you can do like benchmark every quarter or every half year, or every six months. But, um, you know, there's a ton of good tech out there. There's a ton of useful metrics that you should be following and keeping track of. And it's, it's daunting. I think for a lot of people when they don't know what tech to buy, they don't know what to invest in. They don't want to waste their money. Um, some of the stuff can be pretty expensive. So, you know, obviously we're partnering with hit tracks and I consider them to be everyday tech. There's, there's lower budget stuff like the swing sensors that you can get for a hundred bucks. That's still valuable, but you're maybe not going to use it every day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool to talk about and reflect a little bit about just how Pelotero has come to be the process, the, the pain points, the, the whole story leading up to now. So, uh, you said you were talking about somebody the other day. I've gotten good. Yeah. I've got, we've gotten good feedback on social for it. Yeah. I mean, I was having a conversation, I think it was a couple of days ago, and uh, they said the New England Baseball Journal thing was awesome. Um, you were right. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm sorry. I'm a bad friend. I don't, you also haven't sent me the link, which is easier. You know how I am. Okay. Um, but pointing to what you talked about in it, I, so I, I, 
I certainly understood a lot of the topics and I feel like you and I, you li- you lived it. So you have, you're pretty keenly aware. Yeah. You, so you were, free, you were, you were very involved in the story. I, it's funny. I think, uh, I think of the term daily active users, right? We, we reference Silicon Valley a lot, the TV show. If anybody hasn't watched it, you should watch that show. If you like to laugh at dry, sarcastic humor and are at all into the idea of entrepreneurship, startup technology, and even if you're not, it's really funny anyway. Um, but they talk about DAUs, daily active users, right? Uh, so that's what I think of when you and I have talked about sloppy everyday tech components. Um, it, it, uh, it really is, I think that's the piece that's kind of like, I just get been missing or people don't really haven't had access to, or, and, and we always talk about that with hit tracks was the ability to have something that we use every day. And I think that's why hit tracks is so powerful in and of itself. Um, because it, it just it's nice to have that in a cage and to be able to hit on the field and, and get immediate feedback with your metrics. Um, and from our standpoint, what we try to do is really like just create something that players, players can turn to as their, their foundation of how they want to go about their days. That was the biggest challenge uh, when, when, you're young. And I, it's funny, Miggy hit his 500th last night, right? Uh, or yesterday afternoon. Uh, and there was a, there was a quote from Riley Green. They, they were asking a bunch of guys about him, all his former teammates, you know, uh, Verlander and uh, former coaches. And, and there were two quotes, Torkelson and Riley Green, who were like the two top prospects in the organization. The Riley Green one hit me and the Torkelson one was very similar. I'm going to read it. One thing I remember is his routine in the cage. He had a plan and he knew what he was doing. He hit every ball the other way on a line, probably a hundred plus exit below every time. He has a plan whenever he's in the cage. That was big for me to see just because having that routine and sticking to it, I think makes you a better hitter all around. Now, the last sentence is interesting, having a routine. I, I certainly agree with having a routine, but being adaptable within your routine, I think is, is so important. But we're talking about essentially the greatest hitter of the generation. It's, it's either 1A or 1B, whichever way you look at it in the pool holes. And it's amazing that you can talk about top prospects in the game, 21, 22 years old, whatever they are, 23 years old, having to watch him to understand that, to learn it. And that's what we're trying to, to help guys understand, help players understand. It's, it's so important to learn how to think about what you're working about, how to go into a session knowing what you want to accomplish. Um, it was funny. I was talking to one of my friends who – plays with the Dodgers um, and he's in re- he's rehabbing right now. And uh, five years ago, having a conversation with, with him would have been completely different, but he's on his rehab and he's coming back from an injury. And part of his rehab is he has to hit off a tee. And uh, he goes, yeah, this just isn't even worth my time. I just do it because I have to. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, I don't feel like I can get better off a tee. And five years ago, that's the same player that would have said to me, I got to take as many T-swings as I can. I have to go hit and hit and hit. And it's just the point I'm trying to make is whether you like hitting off the tee or not, or whether you think hitting off the tee is important or not, that's yours. It's personal. It's a thing that has to be your own. And for him, he's gotten to a stage in his career where he goes, I need to work on the challenges that hitting presents me. And I don't feel like I can recreate any of those hitting off the team, meaning timing, adjustability, 
strike zone awareness, pitch recognition, all that stuff. So it made sense to me. And it was crazy because that's been the evolution of him as a hitter throughout the years. Um, it was really cool. And then one other piece I'm going to add, I feel like I've been talking for too long. We should get into the topics, but one other really cool piece that I was talking about, one of the college players who played in the, uh, in the futures league finals the other night. And he asked me, he goes, what did you think about when you were in the batter's box? And I said, do you mean pre-pitch or during the pitch? And we were talking about the pre-pitch stuff before. And I told him that I'm weird. And Bobby, you and I have talked about this, you know, return of the Mac was my walkout song. I sang Here Is Gone by the Goo Goo Dolls as I was listening to Return of the Mac when I walked up. And then when I'd get in the box, I would sing Don't Forget About Us by Mariah Carey. And it was so, it's just a weird combination of things. So he asked me, and I, all my thoughts, all my thoughts about hitting, about actually what was going to happen in the at-bat happened between the time that I, I, I put one foot in the box and the time I, I, I was out of the box. Like you finished the, the pitch before, whether it's a swing or a take, you know, take your deep breath, whatever. And you think that's when I would process my information. But when I was in the box, it became about singing a song. And the reason I said to him was because I needed to distract myself from being able to have a bad thought or a negative thought or anything that would change my conviction about what was about to happen. Right. So if I just told myself, all right, here's your heater right here. I, I used to say that one a lot. Here's your heater. I'd get to a, a plus count after a guy spun a, a breaking ball and he bounced it, I'd say, here's your heater. You know, you're going to get it. Um, and what was his, when, would, he, when he asked you what you were thinking about, what what was the time frame that he was talking about? Was he talking about? Well, like, I asked him, I said, was it, are you talking about pre-pitch? I, I said, are you talking about pre-pitch or, or, or during the pitch? Or he, he actually said, while you're in the box, like while you're getting ready to hit. And uh, I, I explained the singing thing to him. And he said, oh, that's that's." cool he goes i tell myself see the ball 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 just repeat it and then he asked me he said do you think i should start singing <laughs> i said i said this is yours this has to be yours i can tell you what i did but you have to do your thing right you have to do what is you i don't sing because i sang right i mean try you it try you it could, no harm in trying it yeah. exactly but that that's such a personal we to go back to like routines, like you got a guy like Nomar who used to tap his, you know, fix all his stuff and then tap his shoes. And like, he's a fidgety kind of got to be moving type of guy. The, the whole concept of what were you thinking about in that moment? One of the stories I told on the, the podcast was how you and I were talking mechanics in the clubhouse in 2016. And one of the veteran players stopped us. Like we weren't, we weren't allowed to talk about mechanics. So the story you just told about the Dodgers players, interesting. And now, now we're talking about thinking in the box. You got to think about something sort of. And if you ask me like, what were you thinking about? Like, what was I thinking about in the box? Like my initial reaction is I have no idea because I don't think I was thinking about anything. It was more shutting everything down and just seeing the ball. If I was thinking about something, you ever like try to look at release point. Yeah. And then you get so messed up because you're thinking about where you're seeing the ball right. instead of just letting it happen. If I ever thought about seeing release point, I had no chance of time in the pitch. It's like, if you think about breathing, you stop breathing. Have you ever done that? Like, yeah. hey, think about your breathing. You're like, nope, not breathing. So you have to not think about stuff to allow your you know, subconscious mind to really take advantage of the moment and be in your senses and not be in your analytical mind. That It's like high level type stuff right there, but like you have to stop thinking so that your body can respond. And for me, it was like establishing my sights, understanding what pitch I needed to be looking for, what like what plane I was setting all of that before 
I was like hands back, ready to see the pitch. Like you can't be thinking about that as the ball's coming out of the hand. I will say that as the pitch was coming in, I would have thoughts about like, if it's a breaking ball, like staying back, fighting through, like trying to like really work inside and stay through a pitch, not getting beat. Like those little micro moments of time where you're not allowing yourself to roll over. You're, you're like keeping the barrel through the zone, fighting to get on top of a pitch. Those things happen. And they're, for me, it felt like those were thoughts in the moment. I had a couple of times. I remember one, one time in particular, this is a weird story, but I played a double day field, a double day field in uh, Cooperstown. It was, uh, I was leading off the game. I was like 14 or 15. I was like a guest player on some tournament up there. And it was like the opportunity to play a double day and go to Cooperstown. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I got a 3-0 pitch. It went 3-0. And the next pitch was a fastball that was like shoulder high. And as the pitch was coming in, I was like, man, like this whole monologue happened in my head. Like, man, this sucks. I'm going to walk. Like my only, like my first at bat and double day, I'm going to walk. Screw it. I'm going to swing. And then I hit a double, like short hop the wall and left. But this whole like thought process of like, I don't want to walk my first at bat. Like, should I just swing? Obviously that didn't, I didn't say all those things. I'm not have time for that. But my, my thoughts, all of those things occurred within the, within the span of pitch recognition of contact. And then I, I don't think I really realized what happened until I got to second base, but your brain works really, really fast if you allow it to. And if you're thinking consciously, like I got to do this with my hands, I got to get my foot down. I got to see the pitch. I got to, you're screwed. If you do that, you have no chance. So it's crazy, right? When these are the things, this is probably my favorite thing that we've ever talked about. Probably the thing that people need to hear the most, because these, I think, yeah, these are the conversations that when I have talks that trend this way with players, with, college players pro play minor league players they look at me and they go whoa and it's so shocking right because i feel like this is part of the experience i was fortunate enough to have rich in in my life and we would have these deep extended conversations about just little details and moments that usually led to massive breakthroughs in terms of my ability to just connect the dot that i was missing on at one point and so this is this is where maturity and growth and development happens. I think it happens outside of baseball too. You have you, you're so set on your ideas and the way you think when you're young that it's almost like you can't you just can't see the totality of it, right? And, and it, more often than not, it comes from a lack of desire to be vulnerable because you think that being vulnerable and saying you don't know something or that you're not sure, or that you might have room to improve on it. You, you see that as weakness, right? You see that as weakness and it doesn't allow you to go down at like exploratory paths, right? It doesn't allow you to, to take in information and absorb it in a way that you would if you just if you just admitted that you didn't know and it's okay to admit that you don't know like my life became way better when i started saying i'm really not sure <laughs> i i you try to do things and, and and at the same time towing that line of maintaining conviction in what you are doing right as a hitter the 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 whole the whole thing is so funny because you feel these moments in time as a hitter where you know everything's going to go well. 
even if it goes bad, right? Even if you make an out or even if uh, you don't get the pitch you want, you just, you have this sense of just confidence, um, belonging, it's organic. It, nothing is, is swayed in your mind. And by and large, those things are, are created by, by the results you've been getting or how your life is in any current moment or a combination of whatever million factors it is. And then the other times when you're worried about it, when you're, Oh my God, I not, you know, having panic attacks about uh, where your foot needs to be or how you need to land or what the guy's going to throw you. And if he's going to throw you the right pitch or not, that's when you get, you get lost in it and, and you can't, you start just digging a deeper hole. Um, it's a good feeling to be centered and just be in a place where you feel like you can get in the box and whatever happens really doesn't matter. Um, and that's when usually the best shows up, right? The best version of you shows up. It was crazy, man. Like 2015, I would say was probably the first time in my career I went, I, I think I went wire to wire that season after the second week of the year. And even the first two weeks were, were not that bad in AAA. But remember, we had the conversation in the parking lot at, at Pawtucket where I we talked about turning my foot out, right? And the next day I have four hits and it was over. And then I just – but in terms of being present, not feeling threatened by baseball, not feeling threatened by a pitcher, not feeling threatened by getting hits or not getting hits. And then I just – I went the whole way. And it was crazy because that, that was – I mean, you make the argument that's my best year, right? Um I would say I think I had years where statistically I was probably a little better. Now I didn't play every game in the big leagues, but had I played every game, would it have been 25 and 100, uh, 30 and 100? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, but certainly I felt like I could be checked in every day mentally and, and that I knew what I had to do to, to find the place where I needed to go that day because I'd had the experiences that, that taught me it's it's okay like whatever happens doesn't it's 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 irrelevant it's insignificant it's just about finding it's like centering your chi or whatever you want to call it cha or chi chi it's it's uh, just being a having a good healthy mindset feeling <clears throat> feeling like you're you're trusted in your environment that you you have like freedom to operate basically uh, independent of the results or the circumstances going on and and again it's a it, it's a sliding scale right like one day you might need to be a little more intense. Another day you need to be a, a little more chilled or, um, you know, anyway. yeah, that's good stuff. I, I, <laughs> I've frequently told people one of my favorite things to talk about with major league players is how they see the ball. Like I'll ask, I'll ask, who do you see the ball well against? Who do you not see the ball well against? And then just try to get them talking about it because there's some guy that you're not supposed to be able to hit well, that you just see well for some reason, and you just see it well and you feel good and you feel like a guy that you should not feel good against. You feel really good against. And then there's some guy that some slap deck that you should own and he's invincible to you. You just can't like, no matter what the ball, you can't pick it up. The spin is weird. Like you just can't see it no matter what. So it's always interesting having these conversations. And the crazy thing is if you succumb to that, if you just go, yeah, I'm not going to hit this guy. <laughs> if you just say it, if you just say, I'm not going to hit this guy. And then you'll, you'll roll out two hits. I swear yeah, you to God, to, that you almost have time. to give yourself a mental break. There, yeah. I remember one game in the NECBL. There was this lefty that was throwing like twelve miles an hour, and I was just, I my I couldn't hit him. He was throwing throwing so slow, and I just said, "Screw it, 
no matter what, like I'm going to hit a foul ball oppo. No matter what I do, I'm going to hit a foul ball opposite field. Like that's all. I'm not even trying to get a hit. I'm just trying to hit it foul. End up going like three for four or four for four. And guys who were coming up to me like, oh man, that was such a good adjustment you made. What are you doing? I'm like, I just try to hit a foul ball. Yeah. Like I'm literally, I'm trying to hit a foul ball over our dugout. And yeah. like giving yourself a mental break in moments like that can be so powerful. And like, don't put the pressure of getting a hit on you. Joe, Joe Maurer, right? I, I, my first year in the big leagues, everything's going a thousand miles an hour. I'm trying, you know, I'm coming off in AAA. I'm the best player on the planet, right? So now I go to the big leagues. I have to do what I was doing in AAA, right? I'm going to show them. And before you know it, you play a little, you don't play, you start one for 11 or whatever it is, or two for 11. And all of a sudden now you're, you know, up and down and, and then you come back up and you play every four. And before you know it, you're, you know, whatever, six for 34, right? And which at the end of the day is really not all that bad. Um, and, I, and I'm like, you know, I'm reeling. I'm trying to get my numbers, trying to hit a homer. You know, you're trying to do all those things the first year. And I asked, I went up to Joe and I said, Joe, how do you, you know, how do you hit these guys, the Scherzers, the Sales, the, the Hamels, the whatever? And he's like, he goes, I don't. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, I don't try to get hits off the one and two guys. Are you kidding me? Like the front end starters? Stop it. He goes, the front end starters and the closer, dude. Well, I just don't expect to get any hits ever. He's like, they're too good. He goes, you get hits off the three, four, and five in the middle of the bullpen guys. And I was Which like, now there's less, there's less of those guys. Well, yeah, <laughs> but the, the funny thing is, I said, so I, I thought about this and I was, I was relating it to a college hitter and I said, all right, let's say, so let's say you play a three game weekend or a four game weekend, right? The one and two are probably the dudes. So like the lighter Kumar type thing and the back end guy who was the other kid that threw 95 or whatever for Vanderbilt. So I, and I watched Vanderbilt playing them. So those are the three guys that you go. Like that's one, two and closer, right? You face Kumar, you probably get two or three at bats, right? You face lighter, you probably get two or three at bats. And in a three game series, you're probably going to get 12 ABs, right? So you might get seven against the, the, the really good pitchers and five or six against the guys that are, you know, the, the, the middle relievers and the number three starter. So let's go, let's say you go three for six against the, the, the third guy and the middle guys. And now you have a choice, right? You can go 0 for 8 against the front end guy, the two front end guys and the closer, or you could turn 0 for 8 into like 1 for 6 with two with a walk and a sack, or maybe you slide out a second one. And just think about how the difference of that is, right? Just going 1 for 6 against those best guys takes you from, let's say it was 0 for 8, you would have had a 3 for 14, versus now you turn into 1 for 6 and you turn into a 4 for 12. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy, right? People are like, how do you hit 300? And I'm like, you just get one extra hit against guys. Like, you just you slide one out somewhere. In a 12-at-bat 12 12 stretch, you're sliding out one hit and drawing a walk. You might get one mistake from them, and you can't miss it. So that's – and that's but that's the funny thing is, like, you can't go into that saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get three off this guy, and then after your first at-bat, when he punched you out on three pitches, you're like, oh, my God, I'm the worst player ever. And I, that happens so often. The, as players, we set these expectations so high in our brains about how we need to perform, and we just don't give ourselves breaks. And that, that's how you hit 190. That's how you hit 200 because you get caught up in it. You just get caught up in it, and you start going, oh, my God. It's like, dude, it's okay. You're going to be all right. And I was the worst at this. Point. I was the worst. Starting game 0 for 2. I was lost. I'd be down in the dugout pacing. Oh, my God, I got to get hits. I, I, would, I would dread, dread 
dread double headers if I started the game over two. I'd already be thinking about how many hits I can get that day. I'd be like, oh my God. <sighs> you want to know how you have an 0 for 8 double header? It, like after your second at bat, you start freaking out about the shot that you could go 0 for 8. Like, what? It's tough. It's really tough to manage your emotions like that. I, each at bat needs to be its own at bat. You you can go from being the worst hitter on the planet, and then if you just treat it, each at bat as its own at bat, like how far away are you from hitting a homer every single at bat? Realistically, like getting the right pitch, putting a good swing on it. You're you're always one at bat, one pitch away from taking your best swing of your life. So how much should you really panic about any individual at bat or any individual failure or be happy about any individual success. Like each at bat has to be its own at bat. Like when you're in the on deck circle, how do you calm your mind down and say, all right, I got one coming up right here. Like be the best I can right now. And the reality and then just is, do it. And then and just the reality, be and do it. The reality is too, just for perspective. Right. And I say this all the time. Nobody cares how many hits you get. Like literally no one. Except your mom. Your mom and dad. That's <laughs> it. So think about it, right? People are like, and I, I use this analogy. Right? You can't even say your dad because Lou would be pissed. Oh, yeah. As long as well, you, if you make it out, it's he's going to focus on that more than your hits. The funny thing was, right? So I played for the Blue Jays and the Twins. And I've got college kids that play at, you know, power five, mid-majors, like the guys we know. I'm like, if you're playing at a mid-major, let's even just give a power five, right? Let's just say you're playing a power five. And you have a four-game series on the weekend. Like, you think it's a big deal. Even, I saw a game at Nebraska last year, 13,000, 12, 13,000 at the field, whatever, in the stadium. And and they're sitting there. And and out of those 13,000 people, first of all, don't, don't nobody even know who you are, right? And then, you know, the streaming, let's just say, let's just make a number up and say another another 5,000 people watch the stream, which I think is not true. But imagine, like, out of those 18,000 people, don't nobody care how many hits you got, especially because there's another game going on down the other street corner. There's another team playing. Nobody even checks the box scores. And I gave them the perspective from, from, from my view. Game 62 of the major league season. How many people go to a Toronto Blue Jays game? 17,000, 23,000. Depends on, you know, where you are, whatever. It doesn't matter. Could be 15, could be 30. Out of those 30,000 people at the game and the million people that watch at home, if that's not too high of a number, as soon as that game ends, don't nobody remember how many hits I got. No, no but there's maybe like eight people that are like, because if I had three and did something cool, they'd be like, oh, they had a huge game today. But if I, if I went one for four with an innocuous single or I went 0 for five with three punch outs, would nobody remember it? Nobody. They wouldn't oh, even know. They'd be like, like, hey, they're I, worried I, about like the, the traffic on the drive home. Yeah, I'd like, call Bella, do. Or they're they're yeah. checking YouTube for yeah. something they're more interested in. They'd be like, I think he had a hit. Right? He had a hit. And, oh, no. Nobody cares. You're the only one that cares. Your coach doesn't even care. To be honest with you, that's the funny thing is. Your coach doesn't care whether you get any hits. Because if you just have good at-bats and help the team win, and you make that clear that that's happening, you're in there the next day, dude. Dante used to talk about Dante Bichette used to talk about one a day keeps the keeps you in the lineup, right? It's the same. It's like if you slide one out, or if you just hit like a 17 hopper through the four hole, or hit a little duck fart over a second baseman's head, and you just got one because you grinded out an AB, or 
and it's getting the hit is the same as grinding out the AB. The difference is you can't force the result to happen, right? You can't force the result. So just grind out the bat, see what happens. That was, he just went off right there. Yeah. That was good. I'm going to take a timeout as a suggestion. I think we could do this. The, like one show is just like hitting. And then if we have Pete on, we can just talk about the topics later. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just keep going. Yeah. That's where we're trying to If Pete wants to reply, then we'll, we'll make that happen. Uh, let's move on. Next topic. I think this right. one is. This so no topic. on my idea. Next topic is near and dear to both of our hearts. There was a. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm gonna butcher your name, Nick Buonacore. Buonacore is that right? Bu- Bobby Buonacore. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. I have to teach you everything. Is that it? Try that again. Nick Buonacore. Buonacore. I hope we I hope we leave, need to leave this whole segment in so we can hear it. Teach me something. What are we talking about? Just keep going. That's all right. What are we gonna teach me? No, just keep going. I'm gonna you got to close the loop now. You open the loop. You got to close I'm the loop. I'm going to teach you pronunciation. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, I believe it's uh, – so he's involved in the, with the Reform Sport Project. Um, he put out a tweet about being seen and how being seen is not the problem, um, how the transfer portal is out of control. And I replied to it that you should go to a college game and be real with yourself. Could you go out on the field and compete? And this is something that I did not really do. Um, not, not in a widespread way. Anyway, I remember doing a visit to the university of Vermont, my senior year it was in the fall of my senior year. It was this cold rainy day. And I remember watching them take infield outfield and saying to myself, I'm better than those players right now. Like I could go out on that field and take their jobs right now just watching them take ground balls and watching them move around. At the time I was like, that's awesome. I want to play right away. I prioritized like playing time. I wanted to be on the field. I didn't want to go sit somewhere. So I was like, yeah, I can go here and play. This is great. Should I challenge myself a little bit more? Maybe. Um, my priority was playing time and I wanted to go play. You went to assumption college, you played in the big leagues and you went to assumption college. So did you go to college baseball games? Uh, I, I don't, I really don't think I went to any games when I was in high school. I did not go to a single game and now you can watch on TV or online, which is helpful. So I think it's, I think it's really helpful to go to the games and watch the energy level, watch how fast they are, get as close to field level as you can. Don't go sit up way up in the bleachers, like get, get on as close to field as you can see how big they are, see how strong they are, see how fast they are, what their arm strength is like, how fast they get down the line, throws down to second base go to a game and be real with yourself and say, can I compete here? Or with a, with a X number of years of development, can I play at this level? Can I get these hitters out? Can I go play shortstop here and be real with yourself? And if you can watch those players and legitimately say like, yeah, I can ball here, then leave it on the table. But if you're not real with yourself and you put yourself in a situation where you're way over your tips, like you either just might not make the team or you're not going to play. You might end up transferring. But if you if you feel in your heart of hearts that you can get on that field and be and take a job, not just like be there, you gotta go take a job. Then yeah, go there. It's very simple. It's a very simple paradigm. It's but just you didn't really, go to you didn't go to any college games though, right? No, nah, I don't think I ever. So like, there's just like it wasn't even like, fashion. Oh, I want to play D one baseball. I want to play D one. I want to play D one. 
I was like hell bent on playing D1. Why? I don't know why. Because it sounded cool. Because it was like some sort of validation or something. I don't know. Yeah. I should have gone to D3 games. I should have gone to D2 games. I should have gone to D1 games and said, where do I fit best? Like if I went to a D2 game at like Franklin Pierce versus Southern New Hampshire, I would have been like, damn, these guys are pretty good. Like they're big. They're strong. They're Throwing ninety plus, like these guys can yeah. play. There's, those schools, those are very good baseball schools. There's a the massive East. presumption that I, I did the same thing, Bobby. I thought the only reason I went to Assumption instead of Babson is because I assumed that Division Two baseball was going to be better than Division Three baseball because it had a two in the name instead of a three. Like literally, I had no idea, no concept. I I I didn't I didn't know the rules. I didn't know about practice schedules. I didn't know about game schedules. Like so many questions that I should have asked. Like the thing that made me upset at Assumption is that we played, we didn't even come close to hitting the max number of games. We played 40, 44 or 42, I think is the most we played in a year. When we you played, we played uh, my sophomore, we played 44 games, but we played a fall schedule. You know why? Because there's so much snow in Vermont that you can't play baseball until April. Mid-April, our first home game wasn't until like April 15th, April 17th. We, we only would take one trip. Now, that was at the time where most people were only taking one trip. Even the big Northeast schools were only doing a Florida trip, and then they'd have, you know, their road series or whatever that they might go play a series at LSU or Texas Yeah, you, or you do one one travel weekend on a plane, and then you, like, drive to the Yeah, Carolinas. now everybody, everybody is having – like Fairfield's going on three trips, right? And, you know, probably because they've raised enough money or the, the budget's bigger. But those are all things that mattered. I, I You know, I, in retrospect, my college experience, it was fine. I got to play for four years. I got to play, which was good. And I played against good players. I played against my freshman year, dude that got drafted in the sixth round out of UMass Lowell and a couple pitchers that got drafted in the fifth round. Uh, and, and to your point, it's crazy. There's good players everywhere. The best players in Division One, like the cream of the crop guys, Spencer Torkelson, uh, whoever, Kumar, Leiter, whatever, those guys are just a notch above. But the best players in Division Two are just as good as the good players in Division One, right? And the best players in Division Three, it's across the board. It's uniform. I, I would make that argument. Not the, the elite, elite guys that have like a special trait. But the good players are the good players. That's why you go to these summer leagues and you see dudes from Division Two and Division Three schools that just get an opportunity to play and they ball out like crazy and they lead the team in hitting. They'll hit in the middle of the lineup. It's, it's hysterical to me when I go to a college summer league game where I look at a, a college summer box score and I got, you know, uh, North Carolina hitting eighth and, you know, Colby hitting third. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's cause that's the game. It's just the game is bigger play, than how talented play. are you? If huh? you can play, you can play. Yeah. And a lot of kids, and this, I'm not trying to make a, make a statement here, but there's a lot of kids that go to big name schools that are playing summer ball. They're tooled out, but they're not good baseball players. They might be bigger, stronger, faster, but can they play? Can they compete? Can they grind through at bats? Can they make routine plays? It's not to say they're not good people or anything, but there's a lot of just tooled out dudes that aren't refined in terms of their gameplay. And that's why they're there. They're, if they were at the Cape versus the Futures League, it's you're getting a different caliber player. Yeah. Well, and that's the things, those are the things you don't notice or you don't quantify when you're young. You don't really understand how to even interpret that stuff. Right. And, and now when I talk to players about watching a game and seeing the game through a different lens and, and really understanding it, it, it's very surface. Like people watch the game 
on a surface level as opposed to digging into into layers and really understanding the whys and hows of getting hit. And I, listen, at the end of the day, are most people capable of that? I, I, I don't know. If you care about it, you, you'll figure it out. It's just about paying attention, right? You just have to watch. You just have to use your eyeballs and your brain to process information and go, all right, this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. But from a, a 30,000 foot view, most people just say, I'm going to watch on the surface. Oh, he's getting hits or he's not getting hits. He's striking people out or he's not striking people out. And they really don't take the time to, to figure out the hows and whys. And that's, I think, the biggest flaw with young players is they don't take time to learn this stuff. And it, it's there's a laundry list of stuff. And maybe there's not enough bandwidth. Maybe there's not enough time. I don't know. I, I want badly for guys to just do a better job of understanding what they're getting themselves into. And, and then when they have the opportunity to, to be around people that are wise, that have had experience in the game and could really just unlock some little tidbit for them, just ask questions and don't, be, don't shy away from it. Don't stop being afraid of, of growth. That's what it comes down to. And, and let me tell you something, in, in baseball, People said it to me my whole life. You're going to learn something every day. You see something new. And it's true because it's not even, it's not even about the, 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 the game itself. Yeah, first base, 90 feet away. The mound is 60 feet, six inches. That, the, the, the thing, those things are going to, never going to change. The thing about baseball is it's going to provide you – it's going to create unique experiences within the infrastructure, right? It's just going to do stuff to go off the rails or – do something weird to you and, and you go, how do I handle this? And because of what our brain can do to us, the emotional side of it, the emotion just clouds our ability to, to, to just stay the course. And it's learning how to, how to navigate that, right? Oh, you're going down this path and all of a sudden your car veers to the right. Well, how, how do I get back on the original path is the question. And, and, and the circumstances are always changing. Uh, you look at, um, Look at teams in the major leagues, right? And one of the things I always say is little by little, like agendas change throughout the course of the year, right? So you have – we could use the, the 2021 Boston Red Sox as an example. Early in the year, this team played motivated, played with edge. They, they, were, they were being chosen as, as the, the bottom of the barrel, right? They were saying, oh, they're going to lose 100 games or whatever. Nobody's picked them to win. And they go out and they play four months of just – Three, three months of probably arguably the best baseball in the league. And now, you know, you think about it, the, the deadline they'd make, they didn't really make any significant moves and the Yankees went and made big moves. The white, you know, everybody that was in contention, the Dodgers and the Red Sox got Schwarber, right? And then a, a little bit, you could say, look at guys like, you know, Bogarts has now established himself as, as a top tier shortstop. And he was still like, people were leaving him out of the conversation. Look at a kid like Devers trying to prove it, right? Prove it. Prove that you're good. Check. Boxes check. J.D. Martinez. Hey, are you done? No. Prove it. Check. Boxes check. Right? A lot of guys that had agendas that they needed to, to fulfill. And now, like, three months through the season, well, we've already done it. So, now, and now it's, it, the agendas have changed. And now other teams are, you know, they might not make the playoffs. If you, if I, if you told me two months ago the Boston Red Sox were going to make the playoffs, sure, I told you you're crazy. 
they tail off a little bit here. And that's that's why this game is so difficult. They yep. are currently tied for the tech the second postseason spot with uh yep. with the second Oakland. wild card, yeah. Uh Yankees leapfrog them with their sweep. But yeah, game moves fast. Game game moves fast. Uh anything else on the topic? We're ready to move on. That was good. Move on. Tom House had a tweet on August 15th. He said players are never, quote, your guy. Players decide who their coaches are. Players decide who their who an expert is. Players go to whoever is most helpful to them. Put the player first. All that matters is helping them. If you're looking for credit, coaching is the wrong gig for you. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I think uh with business comes the need for like credibility and validation. And uh, before we got on a call, I had a call with the, um, with sequencer. If you're not familiar, they do the like lineup projection stuff. And we were talking about how a lot of coaches are quick to claim credit for player production and how it's not always the coolest thing to do, but also it's just way better if it comes from the player instead of the coach. Like you see on draft day, somebody gets drafted and then 12 people claim them as somebody they worked with. Cause the guy like sneezed at your facility six years ago. It's uh, it's unfortunate, but it's a part of the game. But I think what he's talking about with what Tom, I was talking about is how the, the, the line that I liked the, the best was players decide who an expert is like each individual player has to go through their process and, the guy that helps them the most or the girl that helps them the most is the one that matters most. Players will let you know immediately who the most significant people to them were. I, I, how many times in interviews and publications, and, and they make it a point too. I, I credited Rich Gedman and Bobby Zixberry for so much of my success. And there are other people along the way, don't get me wrong. Lou Calabello, Rich Ged, uh, Gene Glenn, uh, John Gibbons, DeMar- like people that I had good relationships with, but there, there are people that, that are like, you know, the stamp, <laughs> you know, the, the fixture and, and every, every person that's searching for credit is probably not, but anyone that's telling you, Hey, I, I, yeah, I had my fingers on this guy. I had my hands on this guy there or trying to take credit for player successes. They're wrong. They, they didn't do anything. If anything, they probably impeded uh, the growth and development. It puts players in a weird spot too. Where uh, are they supposed to call out somebody like publicly? Like, hey, you didn't you didn't really help me that much, or like you're taking. Well, too- frankly, good, but I mean, it's just probably not worth time to do that. Yeah, you know? it just creates an awkward scenario for. I think. I, I think it's always better to let the player do the talking and let the player attribute the credit. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just a fun society's game. a little different now, Bobby. It's just things that things have changed in the sense that we live in much more of a self promotion type era. And I think people are afraid to get caught behind if they don't self promote. Um, which is what I, I mean. Look, there's I don't know, in some capacity, there's there a right way to do it, not so right a way to do it people are growing Instagram followings because they're, you know, doing dances where they look at themselves in the mirror or posing, and, you know, fake private planes and limousines. And I, I don't know, man. I, it, it's, it's obvious that that stuff 
it's obvious that that stuff is all superficial. And at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. Right. So let's think about it like a book. Oh, what a beautiful cover on this book. What's the first thing you look at? What's the first thing your mind's eye goes to? It's the surface level stuff, right? It's what's on the surface. It's what's sexy. It's what's, you know, what's, what's catching my eye. What matters is substance. What matters is what's between the pages though, right? And you can make the argument that the surface level stuff matters because it gets attention, right? It gets attention. Very short-term play though. Right, sure. The substance okay. is a long-term. So yeah. our society, our, but our society is, is now shifted to, because of what people are trying to do on the internet, like grabbing people's attention, right? That's, what the, that's the world right now. Grab somebody's attention. Be scandalous. Be loud. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's gonna sh- the pendulum is gonna shift on that quite a bit though. Where even there's a book that I just finished reading called Friction, and it was talking about how um, using disruption in marketing is just no longer an option because if you're on TV and you got to do an ad on a commercial. Like you're just going to look down at your phone. That's something you're more interested in. It's just, you're not going to watch a commercial anymore. You're going to skip it because it's DVR'd uh, or like pop-up ads on, it's just a frustrating experience and nobody cares. Like when's the last time you honestly, have you ever clicked on a pop-up ad and been like, oh wow, this is really, I'm going to buy this. It's usually just some trash product. Uh, like it just, the marketing world has changed a ton. And I think, I think people will start craving more real relationships and ultimately they are looking for that. The, the person that's bouncing around from surface level to surface level is just not, that's, that's not the type of person that's going to have sustained success. Cause they're going to, that's, just that's the kid that goes from like travel ball team to travel ball team or transfers to three different schools or four different schools. It depends on what the objective is, right? At the end of the, at the end of the day, it's always about what's your objective when you do anything. What's your objective? Are you trying to live the most fulfilled life you possibly can? Or are you trying to live a life that you think is fulfilling other people's perception of you? It's what it comes down to. Sure. Let's move on. We got this topic. We skipped it last week. We're going to get to it this week. Samantha Schultz, she's an astrophysicist and working with the A's uh, with their pitching development. And the quote, the money quote here is one of my biggest strengths to take the complicated stuff and put it into baseball language. It's not like I'm on the mound doing equations with pitchers, which I think is funny. I think that's a great viewpoint, something that we do with Pelotero. Like if it doesn't apply, if a a player can't benefit from it, if you're talking over their head and there's an element of like the player needs to to learn and, and some things need new language, but. To, to make it valuable to the player, you have to bring it to their level. The only question I have is, do you need an astrophysicist to tell you what a good pitch is? That's fair. Like, what's... Like, where's, where's the line? <laughs> what, yeah, what's the, uh, what's the algorithm? I guess where, if, where? if you can demonstrate value, I don't care if... Uh, 100%. Right. I, I have no problem with an yeah. astrophysicist or an astro-nuclear, whatever, magician being part of an organization, it doesn't matter. It, how do you add value? What's the value prop, right? And, it should say human and ace, ace pitching coach instead of it, astrophysicist. It, right, that's what <laughs> like I mean. Like a human so, being helps pitchers get better. So my point is, my point is, whatever, whatever academic background you have that allows you to help evaluate pitch types 
and pitch rotations and and really figure out what what and how here here's the 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 this I, I just this I circle. Been, go ahead say it say full I'm gonna get the, no no time out I'm gonna get the Nobel pitching prize for this right people are trying to connect data to pitches right to say what's good and bad they have to connect data to pitches that hitters tell you are impossible to hit that's the big disconnect right I don't care how hard you spin it or what your vertical break is or what your horizontal break is. Unless I'm in the box and I go, man, that shit was nasty. I can't hit it. Right. Period. So I've faced plenty of guys that had good is peripherals. The right word, good peripherals. I was just like using that word. It sounds smart. Good peripherals that I've been like, man, I've raked this guy. I can't wait to kill him. I'm going to hit a billion off him. And then I've faced other guys, to your point before, who have manure peripherals. And I'm like, that's nasty, bro. Like, has anybody ever talked about Max Scherzer's spin rate on his on his heater? Yeah. Like, is it good? I don't know. Is it really good? Uh, he has, I believe, he has, he has a fairly low release point. So he gets a lot of kind of vertical intent yeah. uh, it's like perceived vertical i guess i don't even know how to perceived vertical divided by it's like a low release so he gets a lot of carry yeah so okay great that's why max Scherzer is good because he throws from there and the ball goes stays up on plane right because the fr- that's what i said the first time i faced him i was like how did that ball not sink it just stayed up but like oh i know it stays up now so i'm good like just swing on top of it slash not good because he's <laughs> because he's max Scherzer. slash he's not good every time got- i faced him he did the same thing to me Crossfire fastball swing under, and I'm like, why is that ball staying up there at my chest? But the point is, there are certain dudes that you look at and you're like, I can't hit them. I can't hit them, whether they have good m- metrics or not, or whatever. And I would say that my my I tell you this all the time. Joe Kelly had the best stuff I've ever seen. Best stuff I've ever seen. And literally, I, I watched this. The stuff only coming person home, that didn't know that was him. Huh. And the only person that didn't know that it was him. Yeah, and was I, was just... like, I was laughing. I turned, I turned to Hannigan. I'm, I'm like, this is impossible. Like everything he throws looks the same, and then one goes that way, one goes this way, one goes that way, and it's a hundred. It sliders it at ninety-one. So what did, did I need? Did I need a? Does an astrophysicist need to, to tell me that? So like, no. But a human and how those pitches can can maybe like oh yeah this plays and this does that's funny that was that was funny there's an astrophysicist need to tell you max scherzer's good yeah i know no how many but how many people have good peripherals and suck at pitching yeah well because you got to execute you got to make it the pitch when it matters yeah but you also gotta just figure out how to get people out and i listen i'm not i'm all for using the data but I don't. I'm. I'm excited that the, the quote from that that girl is awesome. Samantha. Right. I'm trying to turn it into human. I'm trying to turn it into human. Yeah. How, how do I make it relatable so that I can help you get better? That's that's the, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. All right. Chris Sale and Eloy Jimenez have returned. They're back. You said Their contributions. Jimenez. I like how you did that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. We've had people say Pelotero way better than we say Pelotero. So I feel like we need to step up our game with pronunciations. Yo puedo hablar español, Pelotero. 
Yeah. I'm That's why I was, bad it's buonocore. That's what I was waiting for. I'm really Buono, bad at pronunciation, so I'm going okay yeah, to work on your Latin romance yeah. language stuff. Yeah. I'm just not my, yeah, I'm not good at it. You ain't it. I just, I want to, as soon as I say R's like D's, it gets better, but it's not, it's not good. What an absurd. So, Sale, Jimenez, back. Effectively, like, additions post-trade deadline, I guess we could say. Sure. Sale has been productive. I think they won his first two starts. Two and all sure. as a Sale starter. Yeah, five innings each, I believe. I looked at box scores. Uh, the White Sox lost. Who'd they lose to this weekend? Did they play the Astros? Who they they are? They lost to somebody that was ahead of them um, overall for record wise, but they're like ten games up in in their division, so they're they're pretty Gucci at this point. Uh, yeah, the AL Central took the year off. Coming back from injuries, what is the uh, what are, what big challenges are they facing here? Sales been up for a while. Did he yeah, miss all last year? Year and a half. Um, yeah. What should we be expecting? Is, is Sale going to be Sale? Is he going to be limited? If they get to the postseason, is he going to be like a bullpen guy? Or are they going to roll him out for five? He's had enough time. I think. I mean, I think having the shortened season last year, um, I, I think he's had enough time. I mean, uh, he's good. Has and, his velocity yeah, been up? I haven't watched the game. He's like 94, 93, 94. Okay. Um, which not 98. Yeah. But he, he's pitched at 93, 94 before. I'm actually, I thought he was, I've seen him pitch at 91. So, um, 93, 94 is good. Um, his angles are ridiculous. Yeah. Which means he's going to be, he's going to be good again. It's just a matter of, you know, not trying to do too much, I guess, and stand on the field. And look, for the Red Sox to be good, they need Eduardo Rodriguez to not throw up clunkers like he did two days ago. Um, you know, now the, the rotation's kind of rounded out a little bit more. Um, they probably could have used one or two more bullpen guys, but um, do they have a chance? Yeah, they're fine. But Sale, coming back from the injury, I expect him to be Chris Sale. He's a competitor, man. That guy's a gamer. It's a guy you want in the foxhole. Uh, remember he screamed at the dugout in Los Angeles and they came back and won the game. In the World Everybody Series. on our Instagram was mad about that. They're like, Oh, they're cheating. It's like, no, you can go look at the video between at bats. You just can't bang on trash cans in real time. People. You theoretically, you could bang on trash cans as long as you weren't getting a sign from the computer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was right underneath your, your freaking dugout. Yeah. You know, True. As, as long as you don't have, the pitcher's eagle-eye view of what the catcher's putting down. Now, to that regard, I'm just going to put this out there. If you were just doing a different pattern of signs, you just came up with, like, a, an interesting pattern that you did, like, it was runner on second all the time. Because technically, when there is a runner on second, everybody can see your signs. Because if the guy on second can see them, everybody else can too. Yeah. Yeah. So just come out with a better pattern of sign. But they had code breaker. They were doing running algorithms. Yeah, great. Um what about Eloy, uh, what about Eloy you? Jimenez, my favorite hitter right now? Uh Louis Roberts back too. Yeah. They're both good. They're both and they're they so Eloy is hitting in August. I just pulled this up. 
August, he's in 316, five homers. Yeah. 21 RBI in 19 games. Pretty good. Three yeah. walks, 20 strikeouts. Not a great ratio. <laughs> and then uh, Louis Robert is 349 in 10 games. Two Might more. have a worse ratio. One to eight. Yeah. It's, it's worse. It's well, worse. Uh, it's worse. I was right. It's Woo! the same. Three to, three to 20 and one. Three to 24. That's a three, three to 24. Yeah, you're right. It's effectively the same. Woo! Small sample size. Three and 20 is one to two and a half. One to, no, one to. But uh, adding a 930 OPS bat and a 922 OPS bat in August is pretty solid, I would say. Good additions. What uh, What's the hardest thing about coming back from not having consistent at bats? Uh, it, it really depends, it? right? It depends on what your objectives are. If you come back with the intention of helping your teammates, you just fall right into the pattern, right? So coming back with a winning team is, I think, way easier. Coming back with a team who is not in contention, uh, that would be way more difficult. I it, personally, just I'm I'm coming at it from a personal because you would play with the urgency to, to, to help your team win instead of the urgency to get your numbers where you want them to or whatever. Um, getting your legs under you, just literally getting your legs under you, keeping your legs under you for that matter. Because, you know. Is that in terms of fatigue? Is that soreness? Is it? Uh, it's just, just yeah, I, I would say it's just getting it. It's those baseball muscles, right? That it's like the same thing when you, you know, when you sit at home, all off season, you could work out all you want. You could work, you could run miles and miles and miles and sprints and sprints and sprints. And then you get on the dirt with spikes on and it's like, your legs just feel heavy at some point. Um, and it might even just be mental. Um, no, I think you're, when you start cutting at game speed and you're responding to stuff and you're in the batter's box, you're digging in, you're, you're just using different muscles. You're, you're, you're beating yourself up in a different way. I don't, think, I don't think you can really prepare for in-game reactions when you're just you, – you don't know what's going to happen. You have to respond. I think it's just different. Yeah, and you just play with different intensity levels too. Yeah. So excited for those three. I think that could be major factors in the stretch here. I'm scared for the Red Sox, man. They're right there. If they uh, – who do, who's the team you don't want to play in a wild card game scenario? I mean, the Yankees. it's going to be it's going to be Yankees, Red Sox, or the Yankees, Yankees, A's. And in the West, in the West, the Dodgers, obviously. The Dodgers who's, are going to win card that division. Game. Dodgers or Giants? Huh? Dodgers or Giants? The Giants are going to win the division. They can't. They can't stop winning. They just can't stop. I think the Dodgers like two games back. Yeah, they released Aaron Sanchez. That's how good their pitching staff was. They released a guy with a three. Granted, he was coming off an injury. Logan Webb's pitching better than they're, anybody. They're two and a half planet. games back. Logan Webb's pitching better than anybody on the planet. Yep. Uh, they got Desclafani, Gaussman, Cueto. Uh, just uh, they're all like having the best years of their career. Any fear that they peaked? Gaussman. I saw. I didn't see the segment, but on MLB Network they said the Giants were not the number one team in their power rankings. Yeah. Well, getting KB was huge too. Let's not forget that. I, when I when I was considering trades. Deadline moves. I'm shocked that I'm shocked that the Mets didn't go after him, or maybe they did and we just didn't hear about it. The Red Sox should have probably got him. What, where would you play him? Everywhere, first? first base. Yeah, left field, right field, exactly like third base when Devers needs to DH or whatever or a blow. 
nasty lefty to give him a day? It's better. I, no, no offense, but it's better than a guy who has no position. Like Schwarber can't play anyone. He, he's and he's banged up, so it's not even he can go play the outfield. So now you literally put the Red Sox in a position where they have him and JD Martinez. They have two DHs. Like the Yankees, the Yankees with Rizzo and Voit and Stanton and Gallo. And John, you could the just put team ever. You could put ever. You could put Stan in the outfield. He just he's opting out. Yeah. Do you see the story? We're we're gonna get into like post show here. The story about the kid on the Yankees who's living at a Alaska. It's nasty. It's That's so my cool. favorite story in baseball. It's the coolest thing ever to be and, to be a kid that grew up in the Bronx, dreaming of playing for the Yankees, and then he's now like sleeping in the same bed that he used to dream about playing for the Yankees. He's going there at night and sleeping, then going to Yankee Stadium for work. I'm going to say this again. So full circle. That guy is making major contributions to the New York Yankees. Correct? Like the huge play against the Red Sox the other night. Uh, four RBI game the other day. Like the guy's literally rolling off his couch. And Harris nobody couch. nobody has ever heard of him. Nobody's ever heard of him. He played in the big leagues for five minutes. But when people talk about making sure your farm system's okay and you can't trade the farm away. Like this dude, they went and picked him up off a of scrap heap because nobody wanted him and he's making major contributions. There are plenty of guys in baseball that can be that for teams. Plenty of minor league free agents, major league free agents, guys that people don't really want that can come and contribute for you. So when you talk about worrying about your farm system and you won't make moves because you don't want to trade all the big pieces away, what are we talking about? Like win now, win now. And it's not mutually exclusive to not having prospects. I saw specifically to this guy. What's his full name? Velasquez? What? I don't know. His Andrew. Name. Andrew. I, my favorite tweet that I saw about him was somebody said it's like watching a golden retriever play baseball. Just the happiest, just most energetic, just <laughs> thought it was amazing. But you bring that type of energy to the field every day, you're going to make the people around you want you to be there. Like think about your dog that's happy to see you every day. That's the energy that you're bringing. That's, that's what he's exuding to the world. That's amazing. And I'm not going to lie to you. There are, he, the, the kid's a great story, but there are plenty of guys that can do that. Meaning imagine having a local guy, the presence of a local guy, like if you took a Boston kid and put him on the Red Sox or a New England kid and put him on the Red Sox, how different that would be. It, it, it's powerful stuff. And there are – Doug Bernier is the guy I think of, right? Doug Bernier. You know Doug? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, the guy just brought energy wherever he went. Like he – Andrew Velasquez probably is Doug Bernier. And I'm, I don't mean to do a disservice to either one of them because I think they're both great. But just going to make a difference every day. Make plays and make a difference and bring tons of energy. So why are we talking about prospecting? Oh, we can't trade. No, just try to win. Try to win now. The Dodgers have literally a $297,000 billion payroll right now. And they find prospects. They have they have guys in their system that keep coming. Oh, trade away. No, like just trade away some pieces. And then when you do, find other pieces. Whatever. Yeah. I'm over it. Post show. Uh, what happened with the, the U-Haul truck on your social media? You posted a guy just ran into a bridge. Yeah. It looked um, like he had room. He just hit the side. What happened? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like that's first team all blackout right there. I just so I, in Boston, there's a bridge that, that vehicles get stuck at all the time on Sturrow. 
they it's like a it's a joke i think there's a twitter account that highlights how many times it happens a week yeah but that guy looked like he just hit the side of the bridge yeah it's like, a, it's like an black. arched bridge and he just hit the side so that's right next to my old apartment yeah i know um, I, I knew i know the exact bridge and i it's funny because is it even a bridge no it's it, i i don't even know what stuff. it is i think like paul revere made that bridge exactly for horses so, the crazy thing was, is that three weeks ago, now I've, I lived in this area for, I don't know, the better part of 10 years, right? And I've never seen an issue with a truck or U-Haul, whatever. Three weeks ago, I was driving over there and there was a U-Haul that stopped because they saw the 10 foot clearance and backed up and turned around. And then I just happened to be going that way yesterday. There's plenty of room to get under that with that size truck. There's plenty of room. You just have to maybe like be careful and not hug the right side of the road like that guy did. But apparently he, it, he uh, this, is, this is the proverbial uh, square peg round hole situation, Bobby, is what it is. Yeah, but I mean, there's room. I mean, he just hit the side. It, like, it'd be like just driving a car into the side of the yeah. bridge. Same it wasn't thing. even like, like, is he even on the road? What happened there? Blacked out. It looked like he's he's on the, it looks like he's on the shoulder and just drove into the bridge for no reason. Yeah. If if anybody's watching this live, like, all right, get the ball. There we go. So like, there's just a, it just hit the bridge. There's and it, ten foot clearance from, from that I side. The truck go, didn't even look that like, bad when I went around it. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. If you go in the middle of the road, you got plenty of clearance. That's what I'm saying. Like, you just need to stay. Like, don't hug the right side of the road. Yeah. And you have to know that when you're driving, right? Because unless, you, like, even if you were driving a car that was head high, right, just ab right above your head from where you're sitting, you're still looking at that and going, oh, that's that's low enough to hit. It is a it is a more narrowish classic New England kind of like. And it's a it's a turny road. So, like, if you're if you're trying to get to the left side, you could have traffic coming the other way. But nobody goes fast there. That's the one thing that you're the benefit is nobody goes super fast. Yeah. Well, bad, bad job. Thanks for sharing. So did you see the post? Somebody, somebody posted on it this morning or yesterday. And I, I wrote back to them. Mike Don Francesco. Somebody wrote, I, uh, that was Mike Don Francesco. I can see this happening to me. Um, and then the other one that I, I thought was funny, uh, they paid for collision insurance. No, uh, Guess he overlooked the 11 foot clearance. Where's that? I commented on another one. Uh, how does that even happen? I wrote guessing eyes closed. And then somebody wrote something about a driving test. And I was like, maybe we should get him a vision test. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It's not even like a square peg round hole situation. He just, he's missed. He just, he drove into the bridge overpass. What's even on top of there? Do cars go on top of there? Is it a walking path? I think it used to be a train thing. Yeah, they should be. just take it down. I don't even think it's used anymore. I'm telling you, Paul Revere put that thing up with his own two hands. Uh, next topic, Miguel Cabrera. 500 homers, congratulations. This, uh, this graphic came up on MLB Network this morning. I screenshotted it. I'll, Patrick, I'll send this to you if you want to use it. Players with 300-plus at career average, 500 plus homers and 550 plus doubles. There's two, Miguel Cabrera and Hank Aaron. There's Henry. two people ever. That is. You went, if you just go to 500 doubles, it's only three. So who's, 
Who's the who's that? Who's the other one? Uh, I didn't remember who it was. Maybe Ted Williams. I don't I can't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, they put a question mark next to Cabrera on Hall of Fame on Hoff. He's in. He's in. A question mark? No question mark needed there. Stop it. Yeah. Well, he's not there yet, but he will be. Uh, last topic that I have, we had a, a pretty fun meeting this weekend, Pelotero hitting stuff-wise. We realized that for every drill we have, for every movement-based drill we have, there are over 26,500 variations of every drill that we create. I just thought that was an interesting stat and an interesting kind of tidbit about what we're doing with Pelotero. 26,000 variations per drill. That's a lot. All I'm thinking is about having to do the videos for all the... Well, the good news is you just have to make one video. I know, but I I thought about how we did it already. And... Yeah, pretty. It's cool, and also like, what are we doing? But also like, really cool. That's a lot of variations. Good analysis. Good analysis. Yeah. The cool thing is, you just the the end user just needs to click a button and it just shows up, so they don't need to think about it. But we're thinking about it for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bubble. We just quoted Bubble Watson. I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, that's it. That's all I've got. Patrick told us we need to wrap it up. So uh, you want to do the thing? 